Coming up, I'm going to give you seven signs that you're overworked and what do you do about it. And then companies are now trying to make Instagram-worthy offices to get people back in. And Gen Z wants to be hired for a personality loan. Let's go. Helping you grow personally so that you can grow professionally and grow financially. In other words, winning in your work life is going to make the rest of your life better. I'm here to help. All right, let's talk about signs you're overworked because uh, this is uh, classically called burnout, right? There's a point when hard work, and I don't mean ethic, work ethic and giving your best. I mean, like, it's incredibly difficult. You are just trying to survive. It's not honorable. It's harmful. Thus, we call it being overworked. Overwork is going to lead to burnout. Burnout is a symptom. So what's the source? Essentially, you could say there's too much negative not enough positive. You could just boil it to that. Now, as you start to get, you know, digging into what's going on, then we figure out what's what's causing the negative. You feel anxious when you're overworked or when there's too much negative. You feel depressed. And you don't want to reveal all of this, take this all home. So what do you do? You disconnect from your family and friends and then Ultimately, that just starts to wear on you, and then the quality of your work starts to suffer, and now everything is collapsing on all fronts. So what's the best way to avoid that? Be aware of the signs of being overworked in the first place. Or if you are now in this situation of being overworked, get out. Don't settle for it. If you want to avoid overworking, you need to know what it looks like. And when you start to see these signs, you know it's time to set some boundaries. And this is hard. Listen, uh, it's going to be simple to understand this, but is it going to be hard to set some boundaries and have some difficult conversations? Kind of put yourself out there? Absolutely. But let's go through the signs first of being overworked. Number one, you have a hard time disconnecting, letting the work go. You may go home, And maybe you socialize with the family. Maybe you have dinner with friends. Maybe you go to the gym. Whatever your situation is. But you're never truly disconnected. Work is one ding on your phone away from pulling you back in. And whatever activity you are doing, which would be healthy disconnecting, you're truly not disconnected. And you just feel that. You don't feel like you could ever just turn the work brain off. Sign number two, you don't feel like you can ever truly catch up. You never are ahead of the work. You're always behind on the work, or should I say you're underneath the work. One of the things that we saw in the pandemic as the world of work changed so quickly, people were left behind, if you will. A lot of people still you know, got out. Companies had to lay people off and the ones they didn't lay off, they were stuck in a situation where they were trying to catch all the plates coming off of the cupboard. So you just feel like you can't get ahead. Sign number three, your health is declining. Prolonged stress. 
will affect you mentally, emotionally, and physically. There's no disputing this. Sign number four, you can count the hours. In other words, you're just trying to get through. I I don't know if you've ever really, truly done work that engages you. If you have, you lose track of time. You know this. All of us, on some level, even, even if it's not work, you in your life have experienced a time where you're doing something that was so interesting that you lost track of time. I remember the worst work situation I ever had. I was working between the summer of my uh, senior year high school and freshman year college. I was working on a brick crew, a masonry crew, and I was the laborer. I was I was outside in the unbelievably muggy, hot Virginia summer, and I was toting bricks around, wheelbarrow full of brick mortar, and I remember going, oh my gosh, is it lunch yet? And it was 9.30. I was miserable. I was just so miserable from the hard work. Folks, this is great for a teenager. I would tell you most teenagers should do this kind of work. But but it was so physically demanding that it was breaking me down. I'd never worked that hard in my life. I, I was, you know, I probably weighed a buck 30. But I was counting the hours. Five. Sign five. You feel distant from your friends and family because you don't want to let them in on how you're feeling. You're trying to protect your image. Maybe you're trying to protect them from feeling any kind of anxiety or worry over it. Whatever it is, you feel distant for two reasons. One, you're not letting them in on how you're feeling. And number two, you're just overworked and you're not spending time with them. And so you are, by the very nature of proximity, not around them. Sign number six, you've got no juice for the job. They're not passionate. You're not enthusiastic. You're not excited. That's not what's going on. What's going on is you're just completely drained. Sign number seven. You're always thinking about somewhere else. Grass has got to be greener somewhere else. This is too much. I need to be rescued. I need an exit. I need an escape. So those are the seven signs that you're overworked. And folks, life is too short to stay in a role like that. I know exactly what some of you are thinking. Ken, I don't disagree, but it's not that simple. I have bills. I have responsibilities. I have people counting on me. I get it. I'm not saying that you jump into the abyss in great honor because you feel overworked. I'm saying don't go the opposite way because I think that's silly to just jump with nothing to jump to but I also think that just okay well this is my lot in life and this is my servitude and I just have to accept it that's also equally dangerous but you can do something about this you can find work that you are good at work that you enjoy doing work that produces a result that matters to you. But here's the other piece of it. You do it in a place where you are valued, where you are valued. Now this is the key piece. So let's look at why you could be overworked. Now that we know the signs, we have to also go, wait a second. Why is this happening to me? Because before I decide to say, okay, I'm leaving, maybe leaving isn't the answer. So let's look at the first 
potential possibility why you're at work. Maybe you're saying yes to too many things. Well, Ken, my boss came to me and they said, we need you to do this. And I get that. It's very intimidating. This is your authority figure. This is your livelihood. But the minute they came to you and said, we need you to do this, you instantly knew it was too much. Come on. So what do we do there? We've got to go, okay. Okay, I'm I'm a team player. I want to help. I so help me say yes to what you're asking me to say yes to, but I need your help saying no to something else because right now this is my reality. That's the big boy, big girl conversation you've got to have. If, in fact, you can identify right now that one of the reasons or the primary reason that you're overworked is because you said yes to too much. All right, let's look at another reason. Another reason is is you've got uh, poor management. I'm not saying that the manager's a poor person. I'm not saying that they're a bad person. I'm saying, at the end of the day, if you show me a a workplace that has a lot of overworked employees, I'm going to show you a workplace with bad managers. They're not, they're not in tune. They don't know what's going on. They're unaware. Or they don't care. Now, if you're the problem, you got to be a big boy and back yourself out of it. you got to walk it back, as they say in the media, right? When somebody says something and they try to explain their way out of it. You said yes. You shouldn't have said yes. you got to walk it back. The second issue is then, all right, I do have to, in fact, find another place, and I've, I know what I'm looking for now. I know what I need in a leader and a manager that will be very aware of what's going on with me, and I won't ever get in this situation again. Think about it. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman, BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Will Instagram-worthy offices lure people back to work? What we're talking about here is is companies are trying to get people to come back into the office, uh, mostly in a hybrid format, uh, but 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 others are trying to get people to come back full time. And so there's this there's this constant scrambling of leaders to go. Okay, how do we attract people to come work for us? Let's just call it that. And so I'm holding a Business Insider article uh, that some companies think 
that the answer to this question is yes. Will Instagram-worthy offices lure people back to work? Well, first of all, what does this mean, Instagram-worthy? Uh, there's an example cited in this article of a company by the name of Magic Spoon. It's a cereal company that wanted its 50 or so employees to start coming back to its New York City headquarters. So obviously everybody's remote, and the Magic Spoon wants a little more, more magic in the office, and they want people to come back in. And so they think, we think the Magic Spoon is no longer magical. We need you all to come in here and stir the pot. Make it stop, Alex. Make me stop with the uh, metaphors, please. Uh, so what they do? So they wanted to change the office design with the idea that it would entice their young workers to come in to the office in person. So they hired an interior design team uh, that had previously decorated the wing, a woman's club. Okay, don't know why that's cited, but they asked him to come in and create a colorful, cozy office, complete with a conference room done in razzle-dazzle red. <laughs> uh, I got to get Stacy some shoes, Bob, in razzle-dazzle red for the Christmas party. Don't you think? I think it's a good idea. I don't even know what razzle-dazzle red is. Um, but I will tell you that I don't want to go to a conference room meeting that is adorned in razzle-dazzle red all over the walls. I don't know what that would do to me. I need to do some research on it, but I can tell you right now I don't like it. Razzle-dazzle red. Uh, and so here is um, the... <laughs> this is how it played out. Here's the result. It sort of worked, sort of being the operating phrase. One employee of the Magic Spoon who talked to the New York Times said that her Instagram followers loved the colorful new office. Well, of course they would. Instagram followers would love Razzle Dazzle Red. That feels like very Instagram to me. You got Razzle Dazzle Red on the screen? Which one? Is it all the way over to the right? Oh, that's good. Good work, team. So if those of you that are watching, Razzle Dazzle Red for this office conference room is that color. That looks very pink to me. It looks like uh, pink lemonade. Razzle Dazzle Red. <sighs> I would paint it, what are we doing here, white? That's what I would do. But uh, that that's no one's hiring me to do interior design. All right, so here's what so here's what she said. Um, the employee goes in to the office, takes a picture of the razzle dazzle red, and uh, presumably other things around the office. And she said that her followers loved it. But something that Paul Harvey would never say is the rest of the story. She recently left the job. Huh. But her friends saw the Instagram post of the office before she left and said it was sick, as in good sick. Uh, it's all confusing me how someone could look at a conference room painted in razzle-dazzle red and call it sick, but they did. She loved it. They loved it. But she still left. Why? Because people don't stay at companies based on the interior aesthetic. They just don't. So uh, the 
New York Times posted the article. And so what did some of the readers say? What did you, the people, say about this idea, this strategy of making the office so aesthetically pleasing that people will want to come back to work? One person said, this is just pizza for the new generation. (laughs) The uh, pizza party on Friday afternoon that has now been completely lampooned. By the way, can we just say to leaders out there, you could still buy pizza for people, but just make it that. We're getting you some food. That's it. We're going we're gonna to supplement one of your meals today. We're going to make this this big team bonding. Don't make it anything more than, you know what? Anybody want some za? All right, I'll order it for you. Let's, let's keep it simple. Uh, this is what they said. Pay us a livable wage and treat people with respect and provide equity and people will want to work for you. Imagine that. Great point. Another comment, we just want to be able to afford a house and health care, please. Another comment, what's Instagrammable are all of the things people can do when they're not spending eight hours each week commuting for no reason. So again, I'm going to speak to this more about why, what people really want. Like, why will any of us go into an office? Why will any of us show up and be engaged? Because remember, this isn't really about where we do the work. It's why we do the work. Uh, here's one comment that it was hilarious. Babes, how about you put the decor and rent fees towards higher salaries? Stop telling people they need 53 years of experience for an entry-level job so you can stop roadblocking your own hiring process and stop trying so hard to make the office happen. <laughs> a lot of frustration there, but a lot of truth baked into that comment. And another one, y'all will do anything but pay people more. And then one with a face, the old hand-to-the-face emoji we just want to work from home. This is cringe. So, uh, 55% of hybrid employees would feel more encouraged to go in the office if they got paid more to work in person. So the overwhelming response, an aesthetic office is not enough to get people in. So here is the takeaway. What's the answer? What's the answer here? It's that leaders and managers have got to put themselves in the shoes of the people that work. they got to put themselves in front of the mirror and go, what makes a person want to come into the office if they've been working remotely and they like all the flexibility? What makes them come in? Is it a, is it a, a dangling carrot? No. They come in because you Ask them to come in because they want to do the work. I know, right? Really deep. But sometimes we get so distracted by trying to motivate people. And in what we're actually doing is we're manipulating people. And this is manipulative. Hey, our conference room is razzle dazzle red. And they go, we don't care. We want a better life. So let me break down what I just said before. People will come in to work, even if they're in a remote situation, if you ask them to come in because they're bought in to the mission, they're bought into the job, they're bought into you, their leader, because they know that they've got a better life if they're working with you and for you. Do you get that, leaders? I want a better life. Most people don't look at work the way I look at work as this opportunity to make a meaningful contribution. I fully acknowledge that. Okay. 
But while they may not look at it that way, they still tie it to that. Now, what they first want is, can I make a good living and, and reach some of my dreams and fund my freedom to, to live the life I want to live? That's the first thing. But what they don't realize is they still want to do something that they go, I'm proud of this. And leaders, you got to understand that. You figure that out? and tie in their work and coming into the office to that? Well, then let me just tell you something. Now you've figured it out, and they will come in. This is The Ken Coleman Show. I love my Gen Z friends. I think what they're doing in the workplace, I, I, I think there's a lot of positives. I think they're going to shape the world of work in ways that we can't even imagine, and they're they're amazing. Um, <laughs> they are they are creative, and this is a fun story here. New York Post article headline: Gen Z workers say they should be hired for their personality, not productivity. I, now, if you stop that headline at Gen Z workers say they should be hired for their personality, I go, I love that. I, I could get onto that. But when you throw in the not productivity, I go, okay, well, what's going on here? Uh, so quick setup, we're going to watch a couple of videos of Gen Z talking about this. Uh, they, they have invented a term called personality hire. In other words, our value to you uh, is that we bring the fun. Right? We set the vibe, man. Hey, got enough people, you know, walking around pissed off and and burned out. Hey, we're the fun people. This is the idea. And there's actually a a gal by the name of Bella Rose Mortella, 22-year-old, self-proclaimed chief vibes officer. And um, she's a TikToker, of course. That's where all these grand ideas come from. And... um, she has a series of TikToks calling for an unserious workplace. Now, again, you say something like that, and it's like, we can have some fun, but get after some serious business. I, I, I think that's what they're saying. Uh, but the team's got a couple videos. So there's the concept. I want to react to this. I want to see. I want to learn more about this. Is there something here? Is there something that's they're onto something and it's just a little off? I don't know. Let's watch. Here's the first video. Another reason I know I'm not old enough to be in the workforce is this. I came out of a meeting I just had, and I took a minute, and I was like, why were they so serious? <laughs> we're talking about this thing with a kind of fast turnaround time, and they're like, okay, how can we automate this? How can we tag these people? How can we bring in the right people? How action items flywheel? Like, uh, you know? I left the meeting being like, why didn't we hang out longer? Like, why didn't we laugh enough? Maybe it was my fault. Maybe I'm there to to have the laughter to bring the energy. Um, I don't know, but I was like, why are we being so serious? Even though, okay, yeah, like we have to do this thing in the next 48 hours. We're like, what'd you do this weekend? You know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I got to tell you, I don't, that does not bother me. I'm not bothered by that because she says, yes, I know we have to do this serious thing in the next 40 hours, 48 hours, but let's also talk about what we're doing this weekend. I And again, I'm not going to take her literally there, um, but I think she brings up a very good point, right? 
what she's saying is if we're going to lock arms and and we got to dig in here and bust it and work really hard, shouldn't we kind of enjoy ourselves a little bit? You know? I mean, if anybody's ever done a really hard project, there's always a time where you need to take a break. If you've ever done a, a full-day meeting, take a break. Um, I've led many, many, many uh, full-day brainstorms, and we always have a lot of fun baked in so that everybody stays light and everything else. So I, I from that standpoint, I really like what she said. Uh, I also like that she said, hey, you know, everybody's so stinking serious in there. Maybe it's on me. Maybe it's on me to crack a joke or tell a story. I love that. Uh, Alex, you're sitting in there right now. You know I don't intentionally do this, but I do this in a lot of our meetings. Um, I can be super intense and super serious one minute and the next minute be on a rabbit trail having fun because I think it's fun. Uh, so I, I okay, uh, so far... I, I like her. I don't think she was being immature. I don't think she was in any way flaky uh, or unserious. I, I think that's a good vibe. Way to go. I, I applaud Gen Z. I like her. All right, we got another one. All right, let's see. Let's watch this one. And how do we stay playful at work? By turning our managers into girlies. This is what you got to do. Every time they're like, hey, great job. You say, slay, slay. Ooh. Be like, hey, King, happy Monday. Here's that thing that I was supposed to do, and I did it, and I killed it, and I slayed it. Black them and be like, that really wasn't giving. That meeting was not giving what needed to be given. They do something good, be like, y'all ate. Y'all ate with that. You ate that up. Things like that. And then whenever you do it enough, they'll start saying it back to you. And that's when you know you've won, and you've brought the vibes to the workplace. <laughs> okay, let me just say this. I like her. Is this the gal that I was referring to in the... Okay, so uh, middle-aged guy, so okay, they're, they're helping me along. Okay, so this is Bella Rose Mortel, 22-year-old Chief Ives officer. Okay, couple things on that one. Uh, that advice can only be taken at about 50%. Uh, I, I, I like, like, I like her a lot, but singing uh, a compliment to someone who is not your really good friend at the office and certainly not in your age demographic, is going to hurt your brand. But I love what she's trying to do. So, for instance, I don't like the sing-songy, treat treat them like a girl. I I don't even know what any of that means. To be completely honest with you folks, half of that last video was a completely different language for me. Like, if I went home and started saying that to my teenage kids, and keep in mind I've got an 18, a 15, and a 14-year-old, they'd look at me, and I'm telling you right now, my daughter Josie would go, Oh, gosh, Dad, you're so cringe. If I tried to use any of those words, okay? But I like what she's trying to get to here. I think the fun lingo, like introducing the lingo. So, for instance, Bella's 22. If I'm working with Bella and she throws uh, a, a couple of words at me, like it was in that video, and she's playful about it, she's not singing it to me. Please don't sing. But if she throws it at me, she goes, you're uh, you're such a king. Is that was one of the things? You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm 49. I'm in a meeting with Bella, and I say something, and she goes, "Ken, you're the king." I'm. I don't hate that. Not because I think I'm a king, but I realize she's giving me a compliment, and it's, and now it's like all of a sudden I'm the old guy, who sort of won the praise of a young guy. Like, don't forget that. So here's what I think is really good about this. I do think that what Bella is saying in these two videos 
actually will help young people win older people in the office. I'm telling you right now, I'm in a meeting with a 20-year-old, and they go, you're the king on that idea. I'd be like, all right, yeah, all right. Like, I'm probably texting my wife after the meeting. Um, so I was just in a meeting, and, uh, you know, one of the youngsters, uh, you know, told me I was a king. You know? Now let me tell you what happens. Let me play this out. All that happened there is that a Gen Zer looks at an Xer and gives me a compliment of it, but they do it in their way with a little bit of slang or whatever you want to call that, and it's a compliment. And I realize that I have connected with this young person. They bought what I was laying down, right? They they ate what I was serving, because you can't say that, right? That see, I'm already not cool in trying to explain this. But all of a sudden you go, oh, and so that little fun moment is a moment of connection. So I I like what she's saying. I think you have to guard against the sing-songy because you don't want to go over the line. But I think that's the only thing I'd say about that is no singing. Don't call them girly. Don't call a dude a girl. Like, let's just go with some bass. Let's just ease in. Like, I'll ask my kids a question, my boys especially, um, or I'll tell them something, and I think this is a positive response. I'm, in fact, I'm sure I am. I'll, I'll ask them something, and instead of saying yes, they'll go bet. Uh, or I'll tell them something, and they'll go bet, and I go, and I, I'm instinctively looking for poker chips because when someone says bet to me, I'm reaching for a stack of poker chips. So, that's the idea. Uh, bringing some fun to the office is great. Now, let me let me let me close the loop on this uh, for Gen Z. If you are positioning yourself in these job interviews as somebody who is really enthusiastic and fun, I'm gonna be very committed to doing my job. But I think you should hire me because I'm gonna bring fun and I'm gonna bring some personality, and I'm. I'm not ashamed of that. I think that's intriguing because if I'm a hiring manager and I am interviewing multiple people, presumably I am, and you're on the younger side and I feel like you're, you're checking the box on the talent side of things, uh, the desire, the work ethic, the character issues, you got a decent resume or you're a good student, whatever. And in this moment of the interview, you say, hey, I want I, I think you should hire me because I'm going to bring some fun to the office. I'm going to do my job and do it to the best of my ability, but I want to be kind of your chief vibe officer on this team. Then I think that's okay to say. But if kids are saying, hey, look, I just want you to hire me because I'm going to be in charge of all things fun around the office, again, is, does it make sense to hire a chief fun officer? You can validate it, leaders. You can validate what it brings to the table. Sure. But let's not go too far, youngsters, uh, on wanting to be hired only for your personality. Uh, Is personality the game changer? Is it the X factor? Shall I call it the fun factor? Is that a a, uh, competitive advantage? I actually think it is. I love it. Uh, And I think that what it will do is it will grow your relationship with older people in the office. Remember this, if they like you, then they begin to trust you. And if they trust you, 
they begin to count on you and they will promote you. So this is a high likability factor. I think there's a lot of good here. I love it. Uh, I should interview Bella. That would be a lot of fun. So there you go, young people. I got to go learn all the words she said in that video. And then go home and watch my kids cringe when I use them. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.